like you please to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You're going to read verses 16 to chapter 5, verse 10. So if you could do that, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we want to read from verse 16. Verse 16 says this, Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Father, as we bring ourselves before you, as we submit ourselves to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God, as He fashions us, as the scripture says, for this very purpose, we pray that we would hear your voice speaking to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we spoke about a fight that we need to fight, that we cannot lose. And I wonder how this fight had gone this past week. Has it been a difficult week? How have you negotiated the challenges that has come your way? Are you aware that we are involved in a spiritual battle? The scripture says very, very clearly that this battle is a very real battle and it comes to us in so many different ways. And um, the Bible encourages us as, as we looked at Ephesians last week to stand firm when we're involved in this battle. I this morning want to look at that when we are in this place 
of being overwhelmed in this battle. How do we respond? Um, and oftentimes, I think, when we're involved in a fierce fight, when circumstances are against us, when the pressure is really, really on, how do we respond? And I think oftentimes, we need to learn in life to ask the right questions when we are faced in this battle. I, um, yesterday, went for a walk, and we're looking after someone's dog. Please, that doesn't mean that I'm going to look after everybody's dog in the church. And um, so we are looking after this family's dog, and uh, Maisie, she's a lovely dog. Her and I have become good friends. Um, Jenny is staying at the house, and I'm taking Maisie with me. And uh, no, 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 no. Um, Maisie is just a beautiful, beautiful dog. And as we go for the walk, Maisie uh, would go into this place and that place, and she would go to do her business. And so we're not quite familiar what all needs to happen. So Maisie and I went for a walk yesterday, and she went to do her business outside of someone's garden. But there was a wall, and it was just a patch there, and the neighbor came out. And the neighbor started to give me a lecture. Have you ever had a lecture from someone? And um, particularly when you're out in the open, you don't know them. And I thought it was just going to be a quick rebuke. And um, the word that I've learned here in Switzerland is the word, what? Entschuldigung. Sorry. And so I had said the word probably about 10 times. Entschuldigung. And explained myself in German. And um, really, it was a neutral piece of ground. But he said it was private ground. And I said, sorry, I didn't know that. And then he just laid into me. And, you know, the pressure was on for me to respond back to him. And to react. And all that I could do was to try and be really, really kind to him. But the more I showed kindness, the stronger he got in his rebuke. And that went on and on and on. And eventually, I just said to him again, Unschuldigung. And he started speaking in English. His English was perfect. And um, then he said the same thing that he said to me in English that he said to me in German. So that just carried on. And right in that moment, I had to ask myself a few questions while I was under that pressure. And poor Maisie was there on the ground, and Maisie just looked at me. She looked at the man, and her ears dropped, and she just lay down. And so Maisie understood German a whole lot better than what I did. And so as I walked away, I realized that when we're under pressure like that, we need to learn to ask the right questions. And when we are involved in this fierce battle that we are involved in, and there are times when it's smooth, and then suddenly it becomes a little bit more difficult as we walk through life. And um, when you look at this passage of Scripture that we've just read, we see that Paul writes to the church at Corinth here. He, twice in this chapter, says, we do not 
need to lose heart. He says, we do not lose heart um, in verse 1 and then also in verse 14. The phrase lose heart means not to be discouraged. And it is so easy for us to become discouraged. I must be honest, you know, I'm, I'm reasonably strong on the inside, but I walk inside the house after that. I didn't even take Maisie for an extended long walk. I just took her on the, I, I got cleaned up very, very nicely, no marks left. Walked into the house and I just said to Jen, I said, I just feel devastated. How can a man like me just feel devastated? But I was devastated by what the man said. My spirit was so down, you know, and, and, and it was like afterwards you think about all of the things you could say. But I'm glad I didn't say it. And I just walked away and I started asking me, myself some of the questions that I would like to ask myself. Paul finds him in this, himself in this place where in his journey, he got discouraged often. You know, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse, verse 23 to 29, he says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pouted with stones. That hasn't yet happened to me. I thought they were coming. In danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at tea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored, toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly bad? Would you agree with me? Paul was qualified to write to us and to say, do not let your hearts be troubled. The reality is that oftentimes we find ourselves in that place of being Discouraged. Instead of lashing out, instead of losing your temper, instead of going in the direction that you normally go into when you're in that place of being overwhelmed, why don't you just take a step back and ask yourself, Three questions when you find yourself in this battle. And these are the three, three questions I would like us to look at this morning. Firstly, when you are overwhelmed, I think the question that we should ask is, what do I feel or how do I feel? The secondly, the question that we need to ask ourselves is, while you're overwhelmed, what do I see? And then thirdly, while you're in this challenging situation, the question that I think we need to ask is, what do we believe in the midst of this time? Just three questions I would like us to look at. Paul says in 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And I ask you, even today, what do you feel in the midst of some of the stuff that's going on within your life? What do you feel? Some of us bury our feelings pretty well. Others wear their feelings on their sleeves. I don't think that there is a right or a wrong. You must, however, bring your feelings under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. With your children, you got to learn and teach your children that they should express their feelings. But at the same time, we need to teach our children that they need to control their feelings while they do that from an early age. I think it is exactly the same with us. I think my generation or my parents' generation suppressed their feelings and they taught us to suppress our feelings. I think the generation that we are involved in is pretty good in speaking about our feelings, probably better than any other generation before us. But I think the problem with our generation now, with our children, is that they don't always know how to manage their feelings very, very well. And I think it is similar when we are overwhelmed by certain circumstances within our lives. When you are overwhelmed, I think it is a very, very good practice to ask ourselves the question, just what am I feeling at this time? You may be saying, Piet, you're turning into a psychologist today. But you know what, when I sit with people and when I talk to people, if I can get them to express their feelings, it is half the battle won. Half the battle In a marriage situation, if we can't express our feelings to each other, we're about to lose the battle. When our children do not learn to talk to us, not only are we slow and and, and not able to teach them some valuable lessons, I think we as parents lose out on insight into their lives that I think is incredibly precious. We've got to teach our children to talk to us. And some of you are so good at it. But then we need to understand one thing. We need to understand that God is interested in our feelings. Have you ever heard people say that, that, hey, our Christianity is it's all about faith. Our Christianity is all about being, uh, believing the word. Your feelings are just not important. I grew up within a school of thought like that. And I've learned that the only way that we can actually get into a place where we hang our feelings on the word of God is to understand that Jesus, that God actually cares about what we feel. 
I want you to remember that, that Paul tells us what his feelings are. He is so open about what he's gone through. He tells us about the difficulties. He says, man, he says, I've got this thorn in the place. I have asked God three times to remove it. But he didn't. He says, but God gave me grace to handle it. He's expressing his feelings to us. I mean, even Jesus expressed his feelings when he was overwhelmed with circumstances. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 38 says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus expressed his feelings. And my friends, if Jesus does it, it's okay for you and I to do it. Amen? I think we've been sold a lie by the enemy to say, do not express yourself. Jesus did it so well. We need to ask each other, what do you feel? And I find that particularly with men, you know, the automatic answer is, no, I'm doing well, I'm coping well. But I've learned to ask that question to men in the company of their wives. That oftentimes we get the authentic answer. We're not doing too well. Uh, have you ever heard people when you ask them, how are you doing? And the automatic answer is... What's the Christian answer? I'm blessed. I no longer use that word. I'm blessed. You know, and, 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 and you may be blessed. But so often I found out that way down below, there's all kinds of stuff. And when you start to get people to talk, um, there's some real things behind it. You see, my friends, for you and I to deal with this fight that we are in, a fight that we cannot lose, as Christians, we've got to learn to become honest about what's going on inside. If you talk to me for any length of time, you'll find out what goes on inside here. I think that's why I've been able to cope and sometimes cope very, very well because I'm able to talk about what goes on inside of me. Got to learn to do it. Jesus did it. Paul did it. The Bible shows us example after example after example to do it. And this point I want to labor because it is a point that we often just skip over. No. That when we get together, I'm going to ask you, Amelia, how you feeling? Joe, how you feeling? I've got a new friend here today with us. I'm going to say, Hector, how you feeling? Hector and I got together on Thursday. They're from 
um, America, but they're in um, Bern, and they're looking at starting a church there, and him and I could tell each other how we felt, and we're new friends. I love that. How you feeling? Let's start there with each other. I want us as a church to be an authentic church. And we start at that point to get to point number three, where we find out what we actually believe in that situation. Oftentimes, we start with what we believe, and that's not the right point to start when we are overwhelmed. Start with, how do you feel? How do I feel in this situation? The second question that we need to ask ourselves, have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. And this is what the scripture says. For our light and momentarily troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. When you're overwhelmed, we need to ask ourselves the question, what do I see? Now, I'm studying for my motorbike license. I've got to go for my license at the end of the month, and I am dead scared about it. Someone told me as we were just before the service, they said that they, tomorrow they're they doing their, um, their citizens' exam. And suddenly when he told me all that it involved, I felt like me doing my motorbike exam pales in insignificance with that. But what my instructor had taught me as I went through all of the lessons with him, and as we were driving, he says, when you drive with your motorbike, you never look straight in front of you. You always look out on the horizon when you ride. So when you come to a corner um, that goes you on the outside end of the corner, you don't look in front of you. You look like 20 or 30 meters in front of you. You always look out into the distance. And so he would say to us, what do you see when you drive? And, you know, as I thought about this passage, this is what came into my mind. When we're overwhelmed by circumstances, my friends, what do we see? What do we see? You know, and it just kind of like helped me. And the Bible helps us here. The Bible is so incredible. The Bible says, don't just look straight in front of you. Yes, you've dealt with your feelings. You've expressed your feelings. But now there's a next step. Don't just look down here because if you look here, you are actually going to have an accident. Just look way out of there. Have vision as you go. And so often when we are overwhelmed, we're stuck in our problem. When we're stuck in our problem, we look at our limitation. When we look at our limitation, my friends, it is so hard to see what God is doing and how God is opening the door, and we lack vision for the provision of God. My friends, remember I said last week, we are in a fight 
We're fighting a fight that we cannot lose. If we lose sight of that truth, that is the prophetic vision that God gives us when we feel like we are defeated. My friends, the victory is only starting. That is God's promise to you and I. When we are weak, my friends, that is when God is ready to step in. And he is to give us what we need. Because Second Peter tells us that he's given us everything we need for life and for godliness. What do you see whilst you're overwhelmed? When this guy started to lecture me, all that I could see as I was looking down was what my response was going to be to him. And just the week before, I prayed this prayer over my life again. I said, Lord, one thing that you've taught me in Switzerland is that, that the fruit of the Spirit called self-control is my major asset. And so self-control is such an important thing. And I'm so glad that the Spirit of God came and, and he helped me to be self-controlled within that situation. Suddenly, I didn't just look right in front of me, but I had a vision of what the way looked forward. I don't want to create more problems for the people whose um, dog we're looking after, so I was self-controlled. Did I want to defend myself? Absolutely. Did I want to argue with them? Oh, man, yes. Give me, give me that fight. But that was not the fight that I should be fighting. My friends, I had to look way ahead of me. This is what Paul says. For our light and momentarily troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. My friends, your troubles that you are going through now is a credit for what you're going to receive into the future. So, the more, the more fierce the pressure, the greater the reward. And my friends, if I have to suffer for Christ so that His glory can be revealed, bring it on. Bring it on. Because here elsewhere in Scripture, it tells us that our suffering, when we are weak, He becomes strong. It tells us that when we are broken vessels, God's glory has a chance to shine through. So my friends, if you are being overwhelmed, know what God has promised. My friends, when you ask yourself the question, what do I see? That is when the promises of God comes in full view of your life. Full view of your life. If we look straight in front of us, we do not see the promises of God. When we look ahead, we see the promise of God. So I want to ask you the question. What do you see? This is what Mark Twain says. You can't depend on your eyes when your imagination is out of focus. 
when you have a vision, you have imagination. And you start to see a whole lot more clearly what you're going through. Those of you who are new in Switzerland, the first month is great. The second month becomes very complicated. The third month, even more complicated. After nine months, you said, what have I done? I want to go home. My friends, do not look at your immediate troubles. Let God give you a vision for the future. Jen and I, we were just saying this week, we said, just the thought of next year being in a position where we possibly could go uh, for our passports, it just scares the living daylights out of us. We're so intimidated by that process. Why? Because we're looking at what's in front of us. We need to look at the glorious picture that God has for us. And you need to do the same thing. And then lastly, when you're involved in this fierce battle, what do you believe? What do you believe? That's probably the most important question we should ask. But don't start there. Start with, what do I feel? Then with, what do I see? And then end with, what do I actually believe? You see, when this man was going at me yesterday, what was more important? What he thought about me or what those who know me think about me? And belief is kind of like that. Belief is a faith in what is written down. Faith in God's word. What do you believe when the pressure is on? My friends, oftentimes when the pressure is on, it tells us what we actually do believe. Now, if this man was way out of line, and, and as the man was just going on, I just said to him, look, you've made a wonderful point, and I'm so sorry that I didn't see that. Please forgive me. And I said, repeated that a few times. I repeated it in Afrikaans, English, German, Dutch, Russian, Ukrainian. No, I didn't. But, but I tried. I tried to make myself so understood, and I was genuinely sorry. And I wanted to say to him, Maisie is genuinely sorry. But my friends, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 10 says this. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. My friends, Ratakrishnan, your father is with Jesus now. now. Now, you know that. In this crisis, that's what you believe. You know, I know that Wayne's mom, I knew Wayne's mom well, I've met her several times. She is with Jesus. In that crisis, the truth that we believe is this, that they are with Jesus. That's the truth that we hold on to. Wherefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So, my friends, this life, this is what we learn in this passage, that this life isn't the only life that we have. 
this life doesn't matter as much as we think it matters. We've got to have a vision beyond this life. So the suffering that we go through in this world cannot be compared to the glory that will be revealed one day. Are you able to say yes with me on that? Then we will make sacrifices for the sake of the gospel. Then we will make the right choices while we are here. This is not the end all. All that I do know is that I'm not going to take dogs for a walk in heaven one day. And then Paul says, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him. My friends, this is what we believe in every situation where the pressure is on. We want to please Him. Don't we? We want to please Him. And honestly, as I was involved in this this little battle yesterday, and it's such a small battle, really. And it's an illustration of, of some of what we go through. But, but I genuinely wanted to please God as I interacted with the man. And I wanted to please the people whose dog I was walking. I didn't want to make it more complicated for them. I wanted to please them. My friends, this is what I believe. Pleasing God prevents us from trouble here on the earth that we get into. We've got to learn to know how to please God. In your workplace, you've got to learn how to please God. In your workplace, when the pressure is on, it will reveal what you believe. All of our friends in Credit Suisse, what they're going through at the moment, you know, it, 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 there is a testing that's going on. What do you actually believe? Spoke to one gentleman. He said that uh, if we didn't know that God sent us here, we would, we, we would be nervous wrecks out of this. What do you believe? So, it make, so we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I knew if I lashed out at that man yesterday, the Bible says here, that when I stand before God, everyone, Christian and non-Christian, We'll stand before God. Christians, not whether we go to heaven or hell, but how we lived our lives. Non-Christians, you'll be judged whether you go to heaven or hell. Because without Christ, we cannot have eternal life with Him. This is what we start to understand when the pressure is on. And I knew that I could fool that man by being clever with him. But one day when I stand before my maker, and I will, I cannot fool him. Amen? When the pressure is on, what do you believe? What do you believe? And I think for each and every one of us, when we are overwhelmed, when we start to ask certain questions, our belief will become stronger the one that we say.